Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. So glad that you're joining the broadcast today. And every time that we gather together, I hope that we can offer hope to you as you listen to the broadcast, and not only as you listen to the broadcast, but as you take the teachings from God's Word and you apply it to your life. Uh, That's what's going to make a difference in your life. We are getting ready to start another brand new year. It's hard to believe that 2022 is right around the corner. Now to help you get the new year started on the right foot, to get on the right track, I want to help you to create a habit in the new year that I believe will bless you throughout the year, and that is the habit of having a daily quiet time. You know, many years ago, I was encouraged by a pastor friend of mine who mentored me and kind of helped me through the journey. He says, you know, if you don't have a quiet time every day as a pastor, you're not going to be much of a pastor because pastors oftentimes, their job is to really try to encourage their congregation and to lead their congregation. But how can they lead their congregation in a relationship with the Lord if they're not having a daily relationship with Him themselves? And so today I want to talk to you on the subject of how to encourage your pastor. But just before I get into that, I want to give you the opportunity to receive a free book called Believe. It is a 365-day devotional book that you can start the new year on the right track by reading it every single day. Now, this is my gift to you. No charge whatsoever. Uh, I'll cover the postage to send it to you. All you got to do is call me and tell me that you want the book. Uh, Just give me a call at 252-267-2365. Leave me a voicemail or shoot me a text with your name and your address, and I will drop that into the mail for you. And uh, that way you'll have that to start the new year off right. So take advantage of that offer, and I know that will help you spiritually. Well, let's talk about this subject of how in the world can I encourage my pastor? Now, I used to think that my job as a pastor was to primarily keep everybody encouraged. And I discovered that I had a hard time doing that if I wasn't encouraged, okay? Uh, So David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I know that your pastor is one that also encourages himself in the Lord, but that doesn't mean you don't have to encourage him. Uh, He needs your encouragement. He needs your love. He needs your support. And uh, Paul said to young Timothy, uh, this is a great verse, 1 Timothy 3.1, he says, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. So Paul is saying to young Timothy, you've aspired to this office of a pastor, of an overseer, of a presbyterus, as an elder. As a result, you are desiring a noble task. Now, when you think about the calling into ministry, God calls men into ministry. God uses men to lead others to Christ, to lead churches, to build churches. And so God's given this noble task And it's a, it is a noble task. Not everybody gets to do this, right? But as a result of receiving this call from God, your pastor is opening himself up to a lot of uh, assaults, uh, spiritual warfare, and battles that many people will not face because the enemy understands if he can get your pastor down, he can impact that whole congregation. If he can get the pastor discouraged, then the congregation will get discouraged. And so I want to give you eight ways in which you can encourage your pastor. And and here's kind of a charge that I would give. And and, uh, through our years of of leading ministry, we've had many men that we have ordained into the ministry. 
and it's been such a joy to do it. And uh, whenever we lead somebody uh, in this charge or we lead them in placing hands upon them and ordaining them into the gospel ministry, I always ask for their testimony, a testimony of the person that we are, are laying hands on. We also go through a time of review uh, where we ask this guy all kinds of questions and we ask this guy what he stands for, what he believes, uh, how he became a believer. I, I, always, I always like to get his wife in there as well. And, uh, and the reason we do this is because we are told that we should not lay hands on anyone too hastily. Paul says, 1 Timothy 5.22, I don't lay hands or don't ordain anybody too hastily and therefore show responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. Uh, that's why I, I think that these online ordinations are just as phony as can be. Listen, it's the church that ordains the pastor. God calls the pastor, the church recognizes that calling, and then the church lays hands on that individual who is called as an overseer. So as you think about this, this is a big opportunity for somebody who wants to be involved in ministry. There's some qualifications uh, that is given for that overseer. Titus talks about that, and we learn from 1 Timothy chapter 3 what that criteria is. But here's just one little snippet of the requirements for a pastor, right? An overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant, must not be quick-tempered, must not be a drunkard, not violent, not greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined, the husband of one wife, of sound mind. So that's just a few of the things that are required of a pastor. And when we think about the job of a pastor, your pastor has a difficult job, but he's called for the task. So on one hand, you know, you want to you want to sympathize with your pastor and encourage him. On the other hand, you you must be reminded that God's called him to do exactly what he's doing. And just as God's grace is sufficient for you to do well at your job, and maybe you're in the military. Uh, maybe you're an officer in the military. Maybe you are working a job in sales. Maybe you are working a job in construction. Whatever job God has called you to do, God gives you the grace to accomplish that task. And it's great to know that, right? Uh, I'm so glad that not everybody is called to be an overseer. Uh, can you imagine if everybody's called to be preachers? Who are we going to preach to? We got nobody to speak to. Uh, I'm so glad that God has called people to be musicians. God has called people to be working in construction. God has called people to be mechanics. And, and God has called people to be doctors and lawyers and, and teachers. And all these things, I believe, are God's calling. But God has a unique calling for the pastor, just as God has a unique calling for whatever you are doing in your life. That's your ministry. But you need to realize that your pastor is so grateful for the opportunity that lies before him. So here are eight ways that you can encourage him. Number one, pray for your pastor daily, every single day. Put your pastor right on the top of your prayer list, right there with your family, uh, right there with your loved ones. Pray for your pastor daily because James says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the book Deep Down Dark by Hector Tobar, 
Uh, the author tells the story of the 33 Chilean miners that were buried 2,000 feet underground for over three months back in 2010. They were trapped in a large space, including a room they called the Refuge. They had no idea if anyone would come for them. On August the 5th, a Christian man by the name of Don Hernandez turned to a fellow miner named Mario and whispered, God is the only way out of this. Before the miners, Mario announced, We know you are a Christian man, and we need you to lead us in prayer. Would you? Hector Tabor explains what happened next. From that moment forward, he became known as the pastor to his fellow miners because as soon as he opens his mouth and he begins to talk, it's clear that he knows how to talk and speak to God and on God's behalf. As you look at what happened in there, this man became the prayer warrior, became the pastor for those group of miners. Because of his prayers, because of the fact that they felt refuge and they felt safety with him, they were able to sustain themselves for that long ordeal. They would have never made it if they did not have that prayer warrior interceding on their behalf. You know, that's what the pastor does for you. The pastor prays for you, and so you ought to pray for him. There's another way that you can encourage your pastor, not only by praying for him, but you encourage your pastor by serving. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says that God gave to some the gifts of apostleship, to some prophets, to some evangelists, to some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So here we discover that God raises up leaders within the church And their job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, obviously, a pastor's got to know how to do the work of the ministry. If he doesn't know how to do it, he can't equip somebody else to do it. But his primary responsibility is to equip others to do the service ministry. And when he does that, the whole body is edified. The whole body of Christ is lifted up. Way back in the fall of 2000, Doctors diagnosed Pastor Ed Dobson with Lou Gehrig's disease. This is an incurable disease. It's a fatal disease. The doctors gave him two to five years to live and predicted that he would spend most of that time in a disabled condition. Shortly after he was diagnosed, Ed wanted somebody to anoint him with oil and to pray for his healing. And he wanted somebody to pray who really believed in healing. So Ed invited a friend a pastor who had a regular service of gathering together and praying for his congregation for healing. This friend came over and prayed. And here is how Ed described what happened. It was one of the most moving evenings of my entire life. He began by telling stories of people he had prayed for who were miraculously healed. He also told stories about people he had prayed for who were not healed and had passed away receiving that ultimate and that final healing. Before he prayed for me, he gave me some advice. He says, don't become obsessed with getting healed, Ed. He said, if you get obsessed with getting healed, you will lose your focus. Get lost in the wonder of God, and who knows what he will do for you. Ed said that was the best advice that he has ever received. Since that night, He's been getting lost in the wonder of God. 
You know, you think about encouraging your pastor by praying for him and, and by serving him. That is how you support him. There's another way that you can support your pastor. That is by giving generously to your church. You know, I have a pastor friend, and most every time I talk to him, he's very discouraged. And he says the reason that he's discouraged, and he says, I feel like I'm pastoring to a debt, not pastoring to a church. He says, my church is so far in debt, every Sunday when I get up and I give a message, in the back of my mind, I am so worried that enough money will not come in for us to meet the mortgage payments. He says, every Sunday, in and out, I am so worried that we're not going to have enough money, and it's just going to be a matter of time until we're going to go into foreclosure and have to close our doors. So you see, this pastor was so discouraged because the church was lacking in generosity. You know, the Bible says that he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according to as as he has purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, not out of necessity, because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. You see, you can take a big burden off the back of your pastor by being generous, by praying for your pastor, by supporting him and serving, but being generous and giving. You know, most people greatly underestimate how much it costs to run a church. I remember when we started Hickory Ridge Community Church, we depended that God would bring in $250 a month. Our rent payment at the Hickory Roading Club was $1,000 a month, and most months I have four Sundays in them. And so I said, Lord, if we get $250 in a week, we'd be able to pay our monthly rent. You know, God blessed us and God honored us. God sent that money in. I fast forward our story now almost 25 years later. We no longer trust the Lord for $250 a week. We now trust the Lord for over $20,000 a week. I want you to know that God has been faithful. And God has raised up people of generosity that give faithfully every single week to carry on the work of the church. That is such a blessing to me as a pastor. Now, if you're a pastor listening to this broadcast, you got to lead the way in giving generously. You can't teach others to be generous givers if you're not giving generously yourself. I have a pastor friend that I was talking to not too long ago, and he says, I'm having trouble getting my church to give. And I said, well, are you giving? He said, well, I can't afford to give. I said, well, I think that's probably the argument that you're hearing from your congregation as well, that they can't afford to give. I want you to know, nobody can really afford to give. You just do it. It comes off the top. We're to give of our substance to the Lord. And by doing that, we're a blessing to our congregation. Well, there's another way that you can be a blessing to your pastor. And this is something that I especially share with younger pastors as they're just beginning uh, their ministry. And and many times they they make a lot of mistakes and they they stumble and they they do things that really they shouldn't do. And, And a lot of it's just out of ignorance because they've never been pastors before. So one of the ways that you can help your pastor is respect him. Not only respect him, but also to teach your children to respect him. Give him that respect. You say, well, he's so young and he's so arrogant and he's so full of mistakes. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us to respect them who deserve our respect. It's kind of like honor your father and your mother. You know, we're to honor our father and mother, not because they deserve it. Well, hopefully they do, but that's not the primary motivation for honoring them. 
we are to honor them because God tells us to honor them and because they have brought us into this life, into this world. So respect your pastor and teach your children to respect him as well. This is what it says in Hebrews 13. Uh, This is verse 7 and 17. Remember them who rule over you. Remember those who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith you follow, considering the end of their conversation. Obey them that had the rule over you, submit yourselves to them, for they watch over your souls as they must give an account, they must give an account, so that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. What is this passage reminding us of? That those who are ruling over us, those who are leading us, those who are in spiritual rulership or authority over us, they watch over our souls. And they must give an account. They must give an account for how they led us. Now, I'm responsible for the members of Hickory Ridge Community Church. I'm responsible for how I teach them, how I live before them. I'm to live a godly example before them. I love how Paul put it. Paul says, you follow me as I follow Christ. I am accountable to God for them. Now, I'm not accountable to them for their actions. I'm accountable for how I led them as their pastor. Did I provide solid biblical teaching? Did I live out the example of a Christ follower? The way you encourage your pastor is by respecting him. Teaching your children also to respect him. There's another way that you can encourage your pastor. And this is a great one because so many times pastors feel like they're they're pushing against, you know, the the, the they, they feel like they're pushing a rock uphill sometimes because they feel like the church doesn't catch the vision that he has for the congregation. So to help your pastor and to encourage your pastor, encourage yourself to have an, a, a vision of a great future for him and for our church. I had a guy came to me one time, he was part of another church, and he says, I don't know what to do with my pastor. He just doesn't seem like he has it together, and uh, and he doesn't seem like he can get everything together. And he says, man, I asked him to do something, he totally forgets about it. And I asked him to go visit my grandmother, and he totally forgot to go visit her. And uh, And he says, I think we need to get another pastor. So I encouraged this guy. I said, listen, do you pray for your pastor? Uh, do you have good thoughts about your pastor? He said, well, no. He says, right now I haven't been praying for him, and I've been thinking some pretty nasty thoughts about him. So I said, why don't you pray for your pastor? Pray that he does well in the pulpit. Pray that he can follow through with his responsibility. Think about the great future that you're going to have for your church, and think about a great future for him as you pray for him. And I tell you what, if you pray fervently this way, this is what's going to happen. God will either A, change your attitude toward your pastor, or God will be, allow your pastor to do so well that another church is going to come and get him, right? And take him off of you, and you don't have to worry about being responsible for him anymore. Well, the guy kind of chuckled, and I, I was trying to make it a kind of a humorous thing. But, you know, if you envision a great future for your pastor, a great future for your church, you discover that God will do mighty things through him and for him. Solomon said, you know, where there is no vision the people perish. And he that keeps the law, happy is he. You see, if you don't buy into the vision of your church and buy into the vision that the pastor is putting forth in your church, you will perish. 
Uh, that verse literally means that you will cast off restraint and you do what you think is right in your own eyes. You know, one of the most difficult tasks that a pastor has is keeping the church unified. If your church has 300 people in it, I promise that you have 300 different views of where the church should go and what the church should do. But you have one pastor that is casting that vision. He's well aware of all the different directions that everybody thinks that the church should go in, but he's the one that is responsible for setting the pace. He is the one that has got to say, thus saith the Lord, this is the way that we're going to go. Well, you know, there's another way that you can really encourage your pastor. That is to refuse to gossip, refuse to listen to gossip about him or the church. You know, one of the things I've discovered that, that, that will help you, you know, you know, people are going to come to you with stuff. You, you can't help that. But I've discovered a great way to deal with this. When people join Hickory Ridge Community Church, I said, listen, I'm going to make a promise to you, and I want you to make this promise to me. I will not talk about you if you don't talk about me. I won't listen to negative talk about you if you don't listen to negative talk about me. And then I take it the next step further. I said to them, if somebody comes to me and they want to talk negative things about you, this is going to be my response. Well, I'm a good friend of sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, and I'm glad you brought this to my attention. I'd like to bring them in on this conversation because obviously they're involved in something that needs to be addressed. Can you stand right there? I'm going to get them on the phone and we will talk about this together. You know, that eliminates gossip. As a matter of fact, I very rarely now have people coming to me gossiping about other people because they found out how I deal with it. And I expect our congregation to do the same thing. When somebody comes up to you and says, did you hear what the pastor wants to do? Did you hear what the pastor did? Instead of saying, oh yeah, tell me more. Say, well, let's get our pastor on the phone. He'd be glad to talk to us about why he did what he did. He'd be happy to share with you why exactly things rolled out the way they happened. You know, a pastor's job is a difficult job in that he has to sometimes take one for the team. And by that, I mean, oftentimes a, a pastor has to make a decision and he cannot disclose all the information that he has that has caused him to make that decision. As a matter of fact, I was at, uh, at a funeral of a pastor one day and uh, the person that was giving the eulogy asked the question of that pastor who had passed away. He says, I wonder how many secrets have gone to the grave with Pastor so-and-so. I wonder how many secrets have gone to the grave with him. And this pastor who was eulogizing him said, I can promise you it has been literally thousands of secrets have gone to the grave with that pastor. You know, there's many times where your pastor could set the record straight. But in order for him to set the record straight, he would have to cut the character down of somebody else. I remember many years ago, we had to release a staff member. And I didn't want to embarrass this person. I didn't want to really share with the congregation as to all the reasons why we had to make that decision. So I just said to the congregation that we regret that this particular staff member would no longer be serving at Hickory Ridge Community Church. You know, for the next several months, I had to endure people questioning that decision and and people going against that decision. I just took one for the team. To this day, most people in the congregation 
have no idea why that happened. I just took it for the team. You see, if you respect your pastor and you envision great things for him and you refuse to gossip about him, you discover that God will do mighty things for you and through your congregation. Paul says to young Timothy, Do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Here's another way that you can encourage your pastor. Talk to him. Don't talk about him when conflicts occur or when problems arise. Talk with him. Your pastor would love to speak with you. And there's one final thing that I think you can do that will really encourage your pastor. Share the love of Christ with him. Share the love of Christ about the church in the community. Be an evangelist. Go out and tell everybody about what God is doing at your church. In Luke 14, 23, it says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and out into the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. You know, your pastor has got the job to fill the pulpit. And as a congregation, your job is to share the gospel so that the pews can be full. His job is to fill the pulpit. Your job is to help spread the gospel so that God's house may be full. Well, thank you for listening. I so appreciate your support of this broadcast. If you'd like to take advantage of the offer of the free book, uh, please give me a call, 252-267-2365. God bless you. I appreciate you listening to the broadcast today. I will talk with you tomorrow. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We would love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.